Hi, my name is Isabella. My name's Ron. And you're watching the Scare Podcast. You play the win. I play the fight. Let's drop the man Welcome everybody to an exclusive episode of The Sheriff. Guys, do I ever have a treat for you? Now, ladies and gentlemen, the game of hockey has changed quite a bit, especially when it comes to the role player in the NHL. Gone are the days where the fourth liner gets the tap from the coach and goes out and fight. Today's NHL has a new age tough guy that can not only forecheck, not only get in on the play, but is an actual asset to his team. My guest today has mastered that role and embraced it over his career. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all over the world, I would like to introduce to you my guest today. He hails from Toronto, Ontario. At six foot four, 230 pounds, he is a heavyweight. He is a true fan favorite and an unsung hero. He has also played over 600 games in the NHL and AHL, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, my guest today, Mr. Luke Gazik. How are you doing today, my man? I'm good, buddy. I should correct you on two things. Did master, retired, but uh, ECHL as well. Now, yeah. I did notice the ECHL, yeah. but that was only, I would say, what, about 10, 12 games in total? Uh, less, than, less than a dozen. I'd less than a dozen. Six, six or seven, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So now, Luke, I just want to get right off the bat. I really appreciate you coming on my show, brother. I want to tell, the, I want to tell our, our listeners and supporters where exactly we met, which was at the Steve Ludzik Charity Golf Tournament. One of my favorite people in the world, the Ludzik family and Steve, uh, senior I call him. Uh, one of my favorite families and people of all time. Uh, that's how we met and um, I'm glad we did. Yes, man. And like, okay, so what I wanted to ask you was, first of all, what is your connection to Ludzik? Because I find it interesting hearing people say how they met the man Steve Ludzik. So Ryan, their young, I was going to say youngest son, but he is their youngest son, but they only have two boys. And um, he, um, he was my goalie for the Erie Otters in junior. Okay. Um, so now that, this is that, Ryan you're talking this about. This is Ryan. Okay, yeah, awesome. The first time I met him. And they used to have this, uh, their garage, they called the Derby Lounge. And we used to go there in the summer and hang out. And I just thought senior, I, like we always, we call him senior. I thought he was so cool. Um, played for the Hawks for a number of years, but um, that's how I met him. He was uh, our goalie for the Erie Otters uh, for two years of my career there. I only played three, but uh, still one of my best friends. Yes. Now, I find that to be a common theme when anyone's ever talking about the Ludzigs. Now, now the, the, the Ludzigs have been a big supporter of me as well. And I really appreciate it. I love seeing you there because you're one of the most colorful guys that you could get at a golf tournament, man. Yeah. You made things very entertaining. You made me feel very comfortable. And I really appreciate spending that time with you in Niagara region for the Ludzi, the, 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 the links for Ludzi <laughs> tournament, which is, which, is always, yeah. which is always a fun thing. So now I, I, I wanted to get, into, to get into the character thing with you, brother, because this is a big character alert. You're a huge character. And what I like to do is I like to dig down and find out where this came from. Now, we're both Toronto boys, okay? So now, the one thing that I noticed when I was doing my research is that you have two brothers that played hockey 
and a father with some hockey history. Do you mind talking about your family a little bit and growing up in Toronto and what that was like for you? Not at all. One of the reasons I started playing hockey was we had a backyard rink that my dad made and he got drafted to Buffalo. He is from Sudbury, born and raised. Um, One of the only players in junior history to play his 15-year-old year. He was, uh, he was a heck of a player, um, one, of, uh, one of the best to come out of the Wolves. He's number three all-time, I think number three all-time of Sudbury Wolves all-time games played leaders. Um, and that's, he, he was my inspiration. And he made us a backyard rink every year. And wow. It, it so was just, yeah, it was just unreal. I used to skip school and fake sick to stay, yeah. stay, stay home and uh, stay home and uh, go in the backyard rink. And then uh, my older brother, who was one of my other inspirations, he, um, he played and he was an all-Canadian at uh, McGill. Younger brother played in Erie as well. Um, just, we, we, we were all hockey guys, but I can't miss Jillian. I know she's going to watch this, so uh, Jill never played hockey, but she was an all-Canadian trampolinist and a heck of an athlete, too. This is so. your sister you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I know. I can't miss Jill. I can't miss my sister, so got, got to mention her as well. Of course. Now, I always, I, I think the same way of you, because what a lot of people don't realize is that our sisters have a pretty big influence on us, man, especially yep. if they're of the athletic type, which I find. Yep. So I appreciate you mentioning your sister, because I love, I love to throw my sister's name into the mix, too, because she had definitely had a big influence on me. So now, let's, let, let's talk about, I'm not going to let you off that easily, man. <laughs> You're a pretty big dude. How big is your father and your brothers? Are they comparable to your size? Or I would say I'm the biggest in the fam. My okay. dad's not huge. He's about six foot one, I'd say, maybe 200. Um, my older brother is a little bigger. I'd say he's about six foot three, but I'm definitely the biggest. Right. And, and when I came into the league, my first year in the NHL, I think I was about 235, 240 pounds. Um, and I'm about 220 right now, but I'm definitely the big, I think I'm the biggest sibling in my family. Actually, I can't say that about my brother's a little bigger right now, but he wouldn't (laughs) want me to say that. So (laughs) right on, right on. So now Luke, okay. So growing up in Toronto, I wanted to discuss the minor hockey because minor hockey's changed a lot from, I mean, I'm seven years older than you, but from when we were younger to now, minor hockey is completely different in Toronto. Who did you play for growing up in minor hockey, like before Wexford, before all that? It's crazy because it's sitting right there, the North York Rangers of the GTHL. But I didn't play AAA till I was 14 years old. I played AA. Like, I, I wasn't, you know what, I could play, but I, was, I wasn't a great player. Like, I wasn't, like, a top-of-the-line player, I guess I'd say. But right the North York Rangers and the GTHL, um, I was a left winger, but um, maybe kind of just a point per game player, just a crushing winger. And um, yeah, it's really weird that that jersey, that's literally my jersey I wore playing uh, in the GTHL. So yeah, that was my team, North York Rangers. Right on. So now the arena that you guys played at, I was going to guess that, it, is it the Herb, Herb Carnegie Herb Arena? Carnegie, yeah. Right on. It used to be okay. called North York Centennial, but it yep. got renamed to Herb Carnegie. And um, man, I remember going back in there to, to teach a skate a couple of years ago. And you know, when you're younger, it looked a lot bigger than I thought it was. It looked so big when we it were young. It looked like I was playing in the NHL like years ago. 
Um, they had that, uh, I mean, the bleachers on the one side and just the, the kind of the scouting box on the one side. Yeah. But yeah, it was North York Centennial. And then when I was like 14, it got renamed uh, to Herb Carnegie. But that's, uh, that's my rank and that's my team. Yeah. And I had to give a shout out to Mr. Herb Carnegie, who's been re recently inducted into the Hall of Fame. Legend. We had his grandson here just a couple months ago celebrating. So that's really cool that you got to play in that arena and that you know that history. Yeah. It's a big part of hockey history. So that's, that's absolutely incredible. He's an absolute legend. He is a legend. He yeah. is a legend. Deserves all the recognition he can. God bless his soul, right? Yeah. Now, dude, I got to get into this whole Erie Otter thing, okay? I got to get into that because I think it's pretty intriguing to find out the stories of Canadian kids that moved to the States at such a young age. Like, I went to Sarnia when I was 17. I thought that was a big deal. You were a Sting guy? Oh, yeah. You're Erie, Pennsylvania. I know. I went to Sarnia. I was really good friends with Rich Clune, who played there as okay, well. Okay, right yeah. on. Marco yeah. Caprera. Yeah. John Hekimovic. Okay. Yeah, I remember all those. All, all the crew. I remember all those. Okay, guys, right yeah. on. Yeah. So now, Luke, honestly, going south of the border, you know, I'm assuming you were 17 years old because you were a three-year guy in the OHL, right? Yeah. So now... Was it a big step? Were you not that nervous because you knew the team was going to take care of you? What was it like for a teenager to move to the States at such a young age? You know, to be honest, I wanted to go to school. Okay. I, um, St. Michael's High School here in Toronto. Yep. I went there. Um, don't want to say I was a smart kid, but I was an honor, uh, uh, like honor roll student. And um, I wanted to go to the NCAA. I wanted that experience. And I went to Erie when I was 16. Uh, I fought when I was 16, um, came back, had a great camp at 17, but they, they wanted to have me there. And um, I thought that junior was the way for me to go. So um, that, that's the route that I chose. And I'm glad they did because it, it worked out, buddy. Hey. Well, I'll tell you one thing, buddy. Um, for your agent, for your parents, for your teammates, for anyone involved No one had you. agents. I was 17. I, hey, I you didn't have an agent, agent yeah. in junior? No. Really? I did not. I did not. My, okay, agent, right my agent was my dad. We just talked about the decision. And yeah, I didn't have an agent at the time. Wow. Well, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, nothing. Yeah. The fact that your father, you know, had your back and, and was, you know, on your behalf, that was probably a very good thing with his experience and his yeah. know-how in the game. But now, so play, playing for the Otters, thank you very much, playing for the Otters, the thing that I noticed when I was looking at it, because I'm a stack guy, is, dude, you improved every season, right? So what does that show me, a guy that played in the OHL that knows what it's like? It shows me that you embrace the system. It shows me that all the coaches and brass must have really liked you to keep giving you these opportunities that you kept earning to get better and better and better. So it means that you're extremely coachable and that you're a great teammate. What's your opinion on your Erie career? Do you agree with that? Well, I'll say one thing. I appreciate the kind words, but the coach I had there in the second two years, I don't want to take anything away from uh, Pete Sidorkowitz, but Robbie Fatorik, who was my coach, um, was one of the best coaches and human beings I've, I've met. He taught me so much about the game. Uh, he literally taught me how to play hockey, but you're right. I embraced, embraced my role. Um, I had to realize kind of that I could score goals, 
but I also had to fight at the same time, you know, and like play physical. And he kind of just taught me that. Like he taught me how to play and how to embrace my role. But that was easy for me. Like finding your role in a lineup is, is a mindset. And oh, I, yeah. feel, I feel like a lot of guys don't get that, but I, I got that. You know what I mean? And I figured it out and uh, it, it helped me get to the pro ranks. Exactly. So now, before you got to the pro ranks, you had to get drafted. Now, this must have been a huge day for you, Mr. Luke. Okay? <laughs> now, your father being drafted, I'm sure that it was such a good feeling to have his son to be drafted as well. Now, my question to you, did you guys go to the draft? Where was the draft? You're getting me choked up right now because I remember getting drafted. And no, I don't even remember where it was. I went to a, so I went to an all boys private Catholic high school and I went to an all girls um, Catholic uh, prom. Okay. On the Friday, right? So Saturday. Loretta Abbey? Yeah, Abby. Right on. Hey, I'm a St. Mike's guy too, man. Okay. Only one year. Okay. So (laughs) I went to Abby prom and I told my mom and dad not to call me the draft day. And I got a call at like, you know, 1.30 PM just saying, you just got drafted. You just got drafted. I said, where? They said, Dallas, 172nd overall, Dallas Stars. And they, my buddy was just screaming at me. He goes, Dallas. And I called my mom and I said, call everybody you know and invite them over because we're going to have a party tonight. And uh, I remember just being, we have a hot tub and a pool in the backyard. And I remember playing uh, Tom Cochran's big league, just saying, my boy's going to play in the big league. And just, you know, it was one of the best nights of my life. Well, and you know what, Luke? I, I really appreciate you telling that story because I could, I could feel the emotion in the story, and it's awesome. Now, what I want to add to that is I've always believed that the NHL draft is a family accomplishment. And I know it sounds weird at first, but just hear me out. We're 18 years old when we get drafted to the NHL, okay? So other than maybe a year or two, if some of us were underagers, our families are with us through and through to this point. Okay, so to me, getting drafted to the NHL is like pretty much telling the family, look, we're going to let this guy in. It's up to him now what he's going to do with it. But we want to recognize your family for what you've done for the commitment time and everything you've done to make this happen. (coughs) What do you think about that, my man? You're getting me emotional. Uh, I remember... One of my Christmas presents to my dad, I gave him a signed photo of me playing for the Otters. And I said, um, I think I said the battle, the battle's only started or the battle's halfway over. And my dad looked at me and said, kid, the battle hasn't even started yet. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I like that. I remember I like him. I'm, almost, I'm getting emotional right now. Yeah. I just remember him saying like, Luki, the battle hasn't even started yet. And I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back at it now, he was so right. The, uh, making the, I don't want to say making the OHL is easy, but it is. You know what's hard? Make, making the NHL. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. there's 1%, minus 1% of hockey players that will ever do it. And him saying that to me was, um, was completely right. But I... I 6 a.m. practices and um, mom taking all our siblings just to watch me play. 
Yeah. Um, they mean everything to me. Of course. Yeah. Sorry, I, I'm pretty emotional. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that makes me emotional, but yeah, they mean everything to me. Luke, I, I, I appreciate the emotion. I'm a very emotional guy as well. So trust me, we're, we're here together, man. <laughs> we're here for each other. And I know, I know that the listeners really appreciate this because this is the type of stuff that they really want to hear. They don't want to hear like, you know, how much money you made and this and that. They want to hear things like this, right? So this is important to the real fan. And I appreciate you talking about it. I mean, I was never a guy that's like wanting to tell those stories about being a beauty and rookie stories and all that. Um, and I've also learned more and more in my last couple of years to kind of talk about your talk about your feelings and emotions a little more. You know, if there's any young players watching this. Don't be afraid to talk about the things that made you successful and the things that make you happy or sad. Like, it's not bad to talk about your emotions, big boy. You know? Oh yeah. You know, no, even it, for a tough guy, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big teddy bear. So, this is the thing. A lot of people know that a lot of the tough guys are can be nice, but I'm gonna go one step further. I think the tough guys are always the nicest guys. What I'm finding is that there's more teddy bear, big. Big, loving, tough dudes. Know, yeah. And you know what? Yeah. One of the best sayings, man, that I'm hearing right now, and I'm probably going to get it wrong because I'm on the spot, but it is better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. And wow. that's what you are, man. Wow. I really a like warrior that. in a garden. I really like that. Yeah, dude. And, um, and, I, and I really appreciate you. So now listen, all this emotion stuff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch it up a little bit. We're going to yeah. switch it up a little bit. I heard yeah, a little let's get birdie going. say. Let's get going. Yeah, I heard a little <laughs> birdie say that uh, the guest on my show today has an NHL record. I would like to speak about this now. Before I get into the story, I have to give a little bit of the outline. Your first NHL game, Luke. How did you find out about the call-up? I want to hear that story. So this is unreal. I got drafted by Dallas, like you said but played 247 games in the minors without getting called up. Went to camp for a fifth year, and my last game was against Edmonton. Okay. Uh, scored that game, went after their tough guy, Steve McIntyre. Whoa, Big Mac. Oh, I asked him. Oh. I asked him multiple times. Big Mac. He took a run at me, tore his MCL in that game. Okay. On the plane, on the way back from, we were playing in Oklahoma City. It was like halfway between, da well, halfway between Dallas and whatever, somewhere down there. And um, they said, um, we want to meet with you tomorrow morning. And you know that's never good, right? Yeah, it's not. And they told me, they just said, you know what? Um, you're going to go down for another year. And I said, really, five years? I remember saying to Jim Nell, I said, uh, what, what else do you need me to do? What else can I do? I've fought, I've scored, I've, I've done everything you guys have asked for five or four years now and a fifth training camp. And I remember leaving um, the rink in Dallas in tears. And then uh, they said, you can stay here, wait till you clear waivers or get picked up. Or you can go to Austin, which is where the minor league team is. I go, you know what? I'm going down to, I'm going down to Austin. I was just about to swear. Sorry. I'm going down to Austin. 12 a.m. the next day, I get a call from an unknown number. 
And he goes, hey, is this Luke Asik? And I said, yeah. He goes, this is Craig McTavish, GM of the Edmonton Oilers. Um, he goes, do you want to play in the NHL? I'm getting chills thinking about it right now. He goes, do you want to play in the NHL? I said, yes, sir. He goes, have you before? And I just remember thinking, shouldn't you know that? You're, you just pick me up. <laughs> You're scouting me, you, man. Shouldn't you know that? <laughs> um, and I said, yes, I would. He goes, well, you're going to play in our home opener. This is Sunday at noon. He goes, well, you're going to play in our home opener, Hockey Night in Canada, Tuesday night. Whoa. He goes, versus the Winnipeg Jets. And I just remember thinking, holy. And I was in the coach's office, and I hung. he said, our, um, my assistant Connie is going to call you after this with the flight details. Oh, this gets better. You're going to love this one. Uh, he goes, Connie's going to call you. Um, I was sitting in the coach's room, and my coach, Willie Desjardins, said, who do you want to call? I said, Mom and Dad. Called them, and I just said, I'm going to play in the NHL on Tuesday. Get on, get on a flight. My, I, it's too bad. My dad was on a business work trip, so he couldn't make it. But my, um, my brother, my mom, my Love sister. Mom, yeah, mom was out there for sure. Um, I, Connie says, you have like four, three hours, four hours to get on a flight. Um, like, get going. So I remember buying a suitcase and getting my gear and all that. And, oh, yeah. Um, just remember, like, because you don't, you don't know how you long, like, how, how long am I going to be there, you know? Yeah, you if never you get know. Pick, if you get picked up on waivers, you're technically allowed to be there for a month. So I knew, like, pack for 30 days. So I fly out there. No, actually, I had to fly through Minneapolis. I almost missed my connecting flight. No I way. Gra I grab like a granola bar and like a juice, and I hear a, someone just goes, hey, are you Luke? Are you Luke Gazdick? I look over. I see this big bald man, Mark Messier. Whoa. No and, big deal. And Mark Messier looks at me. He goes, you're Luke Gazdick. And I, I was just like, Yes, sir. Like, I called him, sir. I said, yes, sir. He goes, I'm going to fly with you to Edmonton, and then we're going to split a cab, and I'm dropping the puck for the first game. Wow. That's so, pretty impressive, man. So I sat with this guy on the flight, business class, eh? Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> um, I remember sleeping for a little just because I was so – I remember even saying to him, I was like, I was like, Moose, I'm so, – I, I don't think I called him Moose, but I was like, <laughs> Moose, I'm so tired. We take a um, we uh, take a flight from Minneapolis. I'll never forget Mark Meskey carrying my bag and sticks out of the no airport way. in Edmonton. Wow, that is. I'll never special. remember a legend like that. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know if you've ever been to Edmonton, but like it's like a forty-five minute drive outside, and yeah, we drove home, and I just picked his brain and asked him everything from hockey to life, and I remember asking him, I said, "Where'd you live?" And he said, uh, we live right downtown. He said, I live with Gretz. I said, oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. I said, where? He goes, right downtown. I said, uh, he goes, we called it apartment uh, or apart condo 567. He goes, <laughs> he goes um, uh, this was a great time. Like, he, he said it was the best time ever. So it was pretty cool being with there, like being with him in the car. Yes. Now... Just for the listeners, I just got to add a little bit to that, okay, before we move on. Now, I'm sure you became incredible good friends with the Edmonton Oilers trainers. 
I was Ooh. blessed to get one invite to training camp from this club, okay? This CD? is back, this is the, right before Rockford Ice Hogs. Yeah, okay. Okay? So, they told me some stories that no matter what Messier and Gretzky and those guys would do, the cops would not get them in trouble. They had a free pass. As long as they kept winning, it was all good. So, Mess probably had the time of his life. He had a get-out-of-jail-free card, and he was yeah. a four to five-time Stanley Cup champion yeah. with Edmonton. With Edmonton. With Edmonton. Yeah. I think and then six, one with New six York. Cups with six Durant. total, yeah. I mean, they playing in Edmonton, it's hard to explain how big you are, like how big you are there. Oh, you know, there's only two professional sports, right? Yeah. There's the, I was going to call them the Eskimos. Yeah, but now the, the Elks. The Elks, yeah. the Elks, yeah. But there's, there's nothing... I, I don't want to say this, but there's nothing else that happens yeah, no, there. I, it's, it's, the not, it's not the, the front page of the sports section. It's the front page of the paper oh, yes. every day. So it's, um, it's tough playing there. I remember there, um, I told my mom this story um, getting there the first time. I went to Starbucks, got a coffee. Uh, I said, can I get a large Americano or grande Americano? And uh, the barista said, what happened on that third goal last night? <laughs> and I was like, can I just, can I just get, a get, coffee? get my coffee <laughs> yeah. without talking hockey, please? Yeah. So, uh, so we didn't even really go out. Like, we, what, like me and I live with Taylor Hall. We, we loved, and Ke Connor McDavid, my last year, all three of us lived together. Oh, so you lived with McDavid? Oh, yeah. He was, oh, his, wow. His okay. rookie year was, um, so <laughs> Taylor had this beautiful house in West Edmonton. Um, and usually, uh, younger kids like that, um, move in with older captains and stuff. Yeah. Veterans. Yeah. But he wanted to live with some younger guys, not to party, not to do anything like that. Just to so he can, yeah, right? to feel comfortable. Yeah. So he moved in with us. So me, Taylor and Connor lived together his wow, rookie man. year. Yeah. And he broke his collarbone that year. So he broke his collarbone and I just got healthy scratch the whole time. So you guys got to spend some quality yeah, time So we got together, to spend right? a lot of time together. And I just remember always just picking his brain and asking about hockey and life and, but just playing in Edmonton, it, it just, it's, it's different. Like driving Connor around was, it's like dri driving Justin Bieber around here. In yeah. Trump. Oh, yeah. Like it's insane. Oh yeah. Now see, you're so good at this Luke that, one of my questions was going to be like the difference between the Canadian and American clubs. I mean, I can talk about training camps, but you can talk about playing for these teams. Now, do you now obviously Edmonton was a huge difference from difference from New Jersey. Ooh, oh, Jer Jersey <laughs> was crazy. Yeah, uh, even Taylor Hall, who was their best player at the time, he he's you know one of those guys that doesn't. I would say doesn't love the attention mm -hmm. and he would love just going and sitting down for dinner and no one coming up and being like, Hey Taylor, can I get a picture? Can I do this or that? Yeah. Um, but I, I don't want to say anything bad about Jersey also because Jersey was an incredible place to play. Yes. Incredible place. To oh play. yeah. You were, I, we had a, uh, an apartment in Jersey city looking at the New York landscape. Yeah. And we could be in Tribeca in 10 minutes. Yeah. But nobody knew who any of us were. And I just love that. But Edmonton was just completely different. And, and, yeah. and, I, and I appreciate you saying it like that. So now, Luke, listen. My listeners need to know about this record, man. Please. Oh. Please tell us, man. 
what, least tell what, the fastest goal? So, yeah. And, so and that's then. what it was. It was the fastest goal to somebody's career? So it was the fastest goal scored by a player playing in his first game. Perfect. 14 seconds. So I get off the ice, and Scott Oak from CBC grabs me and says, um, they give me that towel, that iconic towel, and he just said, you know, you just broke a record, right? And uh, I just remember saying, what record? He said, you were, fit, you were 14 seconds. And I said, what was, the, what was the last one? He said, 15 seconds. I said, who was it? He said, Mario Lemieux. Mr. Mario Lemieux. Mr. Mario Lemieux. Holy smokes, and buddy. And so I just remember, I know it took me like 62 games to score the second one, eh? <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> That's okay, man. I don't know if it's actually 62, but it took me a while to score the other one. But, uh, yeah, NHL record, I don't know if it's still holding up, but it, it hasn't, you know, it stood for a long time. Right on. So now I, I got I to gotta ask you, man, a lot of people say the best weather in North America is in San Diego. Oh, what Now, I've seen that you played a couple seasons there, my friend. So, I mean... I mean, I played in the AHL for a bit. I love the Texas trip, San Antonio, yeah. going to the rink in your shorts. It's, it's a very different type of experience. But living and playing in San Diego, yeah. the best weather in North America, how <laughs> did you do it, Luke? Man, how does any of the boys do that? It's hard to keep your mind on a straight and arrow okay. when it's 20 degrees and sunny every day. Every day. Um, I loved Austin, Texas. That was awesome as well. But... Mm -hmm. Man, 20 degrees and sunny every day. Um, number one fans in the league, um, like attendance-wise. So we had 10,000, almost 10,000 fans a game. In This is in San Diego? San Diego. Number one, number one attendance in the AHL. Three years in a row. Whoa, okay. I did 90, not know that. Thank nine, you for telling me that. 9,800 fans average in a row, three years in a row. Wow. Yeah. So the, the, wow. Rink, the rink holds about 13 or 14, so our playoffs when we were in the um, Western Conference I think finals we had about 15 14 with standing room but yeah we would have about 14 there oh yeah 10 10,000 Friday nights we had uh, dollar bud lights and all the, no way. the college kids would come out but yeah wow. it's just a beautiful place to play and live it's expensive but uh <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's a really cool place to play and, and live, and it was one of the best experiences of my of not not just my life, but my whole career. Right on. So yeah. now, so now, Luke, like what I was saying, like in the beginning of the recording about like the new age tough guy, and that's the way that you had to transform in order to play in the National yeah. Hockey League, right? So, like, for you, was it, like, I find that to probably be the most difficult role is that new age tough guy that you had to play because you not only did you have to skate your ass off, not only did you have to get into the forecheck, not only did you have to sit more so towards the end of the games, but then be the cheerleader, be the team motivator, be the loudest guy in the dressing room. There was a lot of hats that you had to wear, man, but you did it. And the main thing is that your teammates really appreciated you, man. Hey, not only that, but you have to score. You have to produce, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is hard. You've got to put up the numbers, too. It's hard so to score goals in pro hats. hockey. It's, it's, it's hard to produce and, and do that on a daily basis when, you know, you've done this role for your whole career and you, you have contributed, 
But then it's like, okay, can you ease back on one sense of your role? And can you, you know, yeah. do, do, do a little bit of one? It's, it's really hard. And um, it just, it doesn't exist anymore. There's nobody that just yeah. skates around. I, not, I'm not saying you or me were guys that skated around and couldn't, you know, skate and play. Mm -hmm. But um, you literally have to do everything now. And just being tough won't get you there. Exactly. So now let me add to that. But then there will be the games that you do have to act like it was 20 years ago, Ooh, right? Yeah. There'll be those games too. So then it'll just be like, wow, like I'm not a, I'm not a multiple personality person. I'm not insane, but I got to act like it sometimes. And I got, I got sick of it, man. You know, I hear you. man. I, I um, I was, you know, 30, 31 years old, whatever it was. And you know, someone takes a run at a player and I'm just like, Ah, now I gotta go fight this guy. Yeah. Right? right? Oh, yeah. And it's just like answer oh, the bell, man. right? Like you know, I wasn't one of those guys that got um, got excited to do that. Yeah. So, um, and, and there isn't a lot of that even more. Even if a guy gets taken a run at, um, yeah, there's just not not a lot of that, and I, I didn't want to do that anymore. I hear you, and you know what, Luke? The thing is, is that the the players today, because of guys like you there still is a little role for the tougher player. So is, yeah. I have to thank you. I know that there's people watching this saying, yeah, Luke Gazzett, man, yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling you, as soon as I started putting out the posters for this show, there was a, a, so much support coming through, man. A lot of people appreciate you. A lot of people really like the way that you played. But I think most importantly, it's the way that you interacted with the fans and the way that you gave back, man. And that's what people really appreciate about you. Well, you know, we wouldn't have a role or a job without those fans. Yes. Right? Oh, yes. If there's no fans buying tickets, if there's no one coming to watch us play, then we don't have a freaking job you know exactly so san diego was one of my favorite ones but so was austin as wow. well at all well, edmonton was unreal actually i played for some really really cool cool uh, uh fan bases um but yeah i always try to take um take time to make myself known in the community and you know hospitals and uh anything community wise i really try to take moments out of my day we would go to practice for what, three hours? And nine, then we're done. Nine to twelve. Yep, and we're we done. Had the whole day. Where are we okay. going for lunch, boys? So we, right? would, yeah, we would go for lunch and then go <laughs> go do something good. Yeah, you know. And I, I would try to make it not a you know every day or a week, even maybe weekly thing, but like go go out to your community, make yourself known, um, give fans the tickets, all that stuff, you know. Dude, I like, you know, there's a lot of young players that, that watch this, that listen to this. There's a lot of people that look up to you. So I really appreciate you telling them these things because I'm, I'm telling you, they're going to listen to every little thing you say. You've done it. You've been through it, right? And the way that you do it is the way other people want to do it. So I'm telling you right now, I appreciate you, you putting out those things out there about talking and like letting things out emotionally. That's a really big thing. Me and Curtis Gabriel last week, we got into that a little bit. I love the fact that you brought it up and I didn't have to because more and more players are becoming more brave and saying these type of things. And it starts with the big characters like you and then it's a domino effect. So 
Thank you so much, well, buddy. It's so important to me, but to everyone else. So I want, I appreciate that. Thank you. Luke. Well, I, I appreciate that, man. And I just think it starts with hard guys that people think are these tough guys and they are tough, but you know, deep down, everyone has it, right? Yeah. That's so, it, buddy. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So now Luke, um, I'm going to put you on the spot, bro. I, I got to bring you back because we've gone over the time limit and I feel like we've been talking for five minutes. So literally there's a lot more that yeah, we got to yeah. get, but it, it's been, it's, can yeah. I ask you a question? Yeah. hundred percent. You and me center ice. Who's, I mean, I, I would just <laughs> hope that it would never happen. <laughs> I know. Right? I'm just kidding. Cause buddy. I wouldn't want to get a kidding. bomb from Luke Gasly. Yeah. That's for sure. No, man. I remember watching you when I was younger, but your nails and thanks for having me, man. Yeah, Appreciate it. Sure. But yeah, like I said, I hope you come back, bro. There's so many things that you said here that, that are important that I appreciate. And so do the viewers. So yeah, hats off okay. to you, brother. You're the man. And I wanted to thank the, the viewers for tuning in to another episode of The Sheriff featuring special guest, Mr. Luke Gazik. We'll see you soon, guys. Woo! Rise, drop the